So, yeah, Judges 2, 6 to 19. Okay. After Joshua had dismissed the Israelites, they went to take possession of the land, each to their own inheritance. The people served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and of the elders who had outlived him and who had seen all the great things the Lord had done for Israel. Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of 110, and they buried him in the land of his inheritance at timnath Heras in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Garsh. After the whole generation had been gathered to their ancestors, another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what he had done for Israel. Then the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord and served the Baals. They forsook the Lord, the God of their ancestors, who had brought them out of Egypt, and they followed and worshipped the various gods of the peoples around them. They aroused the Lord's anger because they forsook him and served Baal and the Ashtoreths. In his anger against Israel, the Lord gave them into the hands of raiders who plundered them. He sold them into the hands of their enemies all around, and they were no longer able to resist. Whenever Israel went out to fight, the hand of the Lord was against them to defeat them, just as he had sworn to them, and they were in great distress. Then the Lord raised up judges who saved them out of the hands of these raiders. Yet they would not listen to their judges, but prostituted themselves to other gods and worshipped them. They quickly turned from the ways of their ancestors, who had been obedient to the Lord's commands. Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies, as long as the judge lived. For the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who had oppressed and afflicted them. But when the judge died, the people returned to their ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors. Following other gods and serving and worshipping them, they refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. Please do take a seat. So as we've been looking at all morning, we're going to be thinking about this idea of new beginnings. We're going to do it in two parts. Like we said, it's, a, it's an all-age service. Uh, we're going to do sort of, the sermon is split into two parts anyway, so we're going to do part one, then we're going to sing, and then part two, hopefully I'll make it a little bit easier for the, for the kids as well, if we're going to be getting up and moving halfway through. Um, but I do think it's a great title for this time of year. It's funny, usually... January, right? That's when we do new beginnings, isn't it? We always do New Year's resolutions, that kind of stuff in January. But if you think about it, not that much changes in January. We're already halfway through the year back then. I mean, now is the time where things change, isn't it? September, everything changes. It's the beginning of the academic year. Um, the holidays end, you go back to schools. It's not just schools. A lot of jobs, they begin in September. That's sort of when the, the new cohort comes in in September. You know, things getting up and running after the summer. Uh, the sports seasons, they all kick off. The football league all begins. Um, everything's a new start. Churches. 
Our, our church, today is the day where things are, are kicking off again after the summer. Um, we, we've been sort of away at a farm in the evenings over the summer, and now we're back in the building today, this evening. So it's a new start, it's a new beginning. This is a much better time to think about new beginnings, isn't it, than, than January. So it does, it feels like something fresh. It feels like everything's about to start now. But the, the thing about a lot of these new beginnings is actually we've all been there before. This isn't the first new beginning. There's a lot of new beginnings and, and we do them every single year. I mean, the first day of school maybe feels like a new beginning, but then you get loads more first days back at school, don't you? Every single year. Uh, you get a new job, but, but often people get lots of first days on their new job. You get lots of new chances, new beginnings. And I think that's the same as a Christian. I wonder, as a Christian spiritually, how many times you've said, right, now is the time for a fresh start. You said that? Now is the time to, to start again. You know, you know what I mean? You, you sin or, or you mess up or you, you do something and you pray for forgiveness and it, it feels like a fresh start, doesn't it? It feels like you know, a new beginning, you know, wiping the slate clean. You know, this time, this time I'm going to do good. This time's going to be different. It feels like a fresh start, a new beginning. But it's not the first time you felt like that. In fact, there's probably multiple times you felt like that. Now, you've been going through uh, the creed, and, and I promise we're, we're going to get to it a little bit later on. Um, but first, I want to think about this idea of new beginnings, think about this idea of fresh starts, and I want to do it by talking about the book of Judges and those verses that were read. And I realize that might be unusual. You might be struggling to see where this is going to go. Um, but bear with me. Um, we've been working through this book at night in, in the mornings recently, and it feels hugely relevant for this topic of new beginnings. See, the, the book of Judges, it's a book about cycles. It's a book about a repeated pattern. You've got the Israelites, they've entered the promised land, and God has said to them, remove the people from the land. This is your land, remove the people. And they've come in, and they don't. They don't remove the people. They live amongst the people. They join in with them. And these other people, they, they worship other gods and they live in a way that's contrary to the way God wants his people to live. So instead of removing the people and staying separate, the Israelites, they become like them. And worst of all, Israel doesn't have a leader. At the very beginning of the book of Judges and the bit that we had read, it says, it says that Joshua dies and then all the way through the book you hear this motif, there is no king in Israel. Israel's leaderless. There is no king of Israel and so the people, they just live as they want to. They've got no one to lead them. They decide what is right in their eyes. That is a phrase that repeats in, in Judges. There's no king of Israel. They did what was right in their own eyes. Whatever looked good, they did it. Whatever they fancied, they did it. They, just, they decided, you know, what's right, what's wrong? I'm going to pick that. And I think that's fascinating. Because I think that sounds exactly like our culture today. You know, people do what's right in their own eyes. This is my truth. Who are you to say what's right or wrong for my life? If it looks good, 
If it feels right, then it must be right. There's no moral standard that's external that people are keeping to. It's just whatever they decide. And that's true for the Israelites as well. There's no king in Israel. There's no one leading them. God's been completely removed from that equation, not just for the Israelites, but for us today in in our culture out there in the world. It's what sinning is. It's it's turning away from God. It's turning away from his relationship and what he wants. And, And what you'll find is when you do that, when that happens, people's lives fall apart. Because we're made for relationship with God. And so, to follow the story of the Israelites in Judges, they turn away from God, they they become like the people around them, and they fall into ruin. Because this isn't the way life is supposed to be. And in fact, we read that God hands them over to their enemies. And so these people are, are oppressed, and they're struggling, and they have these really horrible years of servitude, and they're, they're lost, and so they cry out. They, they cry out to God. They say, God, help us. They grumble. And we know what that's like, don't we, to, to cry out, you know, when things are hard. And, and sometimes you don't even know what the words are to say. The Israelites never actually say any words. They just cry. They cry out. And wonderfully, God hears them. This amazing thing in the book is that God hears them and he sends them a saviour. They don't deserve it. They've turned away from him. You you read through Judges, you'll see these people, they do not deserve saving. But God sends his saviour. And the people know peace. I'm going to read again a couple of verses from Judges 2 we just had read. um, Just specifically verses 18 and 19. Okay? Whenever the Lord raised up a judge for them, he was with the judge and saved them out of the hands of their enemies as long as the judge lived, for the Lord relented because of their groaning under those who oppressed and afflicted them. I mean, that's the great bit. Isn't that that great? The Savior comes, he saves Israel, the judge comes in, he frees them from sin, he frees them from idolatry, he he points them on the right path, He, he fixes their eyes on God so they can do what's good and they... They don't do what's right in their own eyes anymore. They, they do what's right in God's eyes. The judge does that. And, and for these people, for the Israelites, you know, this would have felt like a fresh start. This is a new beginning, right? You know, we've just had years of idolatry and, and sin and difficulty. And then the enemies of God are, are, are defeated. All the idols get smashed and we've got this wonderful savior. It's a fresh start for the people. It's a new beginning. And they probably start off really well and and good and life is great and they probably encourage one another and they're probably making resolutions and they're probably talking about how they can live for God now. It's wonderful. It's freedom. Fresh start. But then you get to verse 19 and you read this. But when the judge died... The people returned to ways even more corrupt than those of their ancestors, following other gods, serving and worshipping them. They refused to give up their evil practices and stubborn ways. See, these new beginnings, they, they don't seem to last, do they? I don't know if you've noticed that. As soon as the judge dies... The people, they just go back to what they were doing before. 
They slip so quickly. As, as soon as the judge goes, they're, they're doing what's right in their own eyes again. The judge isn't enough. These saviors, they're not enough. And in fact, that's, that's the whole point of the book of Judges, really. Is that they need a saviour. They need someone better than the judges. Because these judges, as you read through the book, they, they make mistakes big time, actually, in the end. They become awful people. And ultimately, one of the things that gets repeated all the way through is that the judges, they all die. And when they're gone, well, the people just fall into sin again. And, you know, I, I think we do the same thing, don't we? You know, we, we make these fresh starts, we have these new beginnings, but what we're doing is we're trusting in little mini-saviors, like the judges, that just aren't good enough. They don't do the job. And so we fall back into just doing what we did before. To one example, and just a small one, would be quiet times. The number of times over the year that I've tried to shake up my quiet times or, or to improve them or to focus on them, and, and often what I do is I put my trust in, I don't know, routine, habit, technology, you know? This year, this year I'm going to get a fancy app, and the app's going to tell me what to do, and that's going to solve my problems, it's going to save me and make my quiet times good. Or, you know, I'm going to buy a new book, and that's going to be the thing that, that gives me what I need. And every year I have a fresh start going, this is the year. This is the year I'm going to read the whole Bible in a week or whatever it is that I'm going to try and do. And I make these, these impossible things. And I think, you know what? This year is going to be a fresh start. And I'm going to put my trust in, in a newfangled practice that's going to happen. But you, you know what it's like. How long does it take before I just slips away and I just slip down? And, and it, it helps me for a bit. And it's good for a bit. But it's, it's not going to last. It doesn't change my life. I need something more. Maybe I want to work on my patience. And I think there is people in church I need to be more patient with, perhaps. And so what I decide to do is, is I'm going to solve this problem by just trying really hard. I'm just going to try really hard with that person to be patient. And I'm going to be very um, genuine, and I'm going to be really intentional with them. I'm just going to try harder. But I'm just trusting in my own strength there. I'm my own mini saviour there, and sooner or later, I'm going to snap, and I'm not going to be able to be patient, because I'm not good enough. Maybe that helps me for a bit, but ultimately, that's not a change that lasts. Maybe my struggle is with the online world. Maybe it's what I'm looking at, or maybe I'm just spending too much time on there. I'm just getting lost in that world, and I think, I think maybe if I just delete an app, or if I put timers on, or if I put special locks on, that's going to save me. I know maybe it does for a time, maybe it's good for a bit, but ultimately, that's not going to give me a change that lasts. And you know, the judges, they were good for a little bit. They were good for a time, but they didn't solve the problem. And I don't know what it is for you. I don't know what that thing is that you're struggling with the most. The, the one thing you keep praying for a fresh start with. I don't know how many times you, you've been there and you felt like you have been forgiven. But how long did it last before you just threw it all away again? And we're constantly going through these cycles, aren't we? These cycles like the Israelites in the book of Judges. So here's the question. 
Here's the one we're going to answer. It's not just how we have a fresh start, but how can we have a fresh start that lasts? How can we have a new beginning that doesn't ever get old, that stays new forever? How can we get a clean slate that never gets dirty? And we're going to answer that question. We're going to answer that question in a moment, but first we're going to pause and we're going to sing. And I'm going to give it a time for the band to come up. So a song about sin, um, but a song, again, about fresh starts, a song about grace. And ultimately, that's what the book of Judges is about. It's a book about grace. God giving people what they didn't deserve over and over and over again. And we're going to think about that a little bit more. But let's stand and sing. Think about some of the things that we've sung about now. We're going to try and answer that question. How do we have a new beginning that lasts? And we're going to use the Judges again briefly because like I said um, they were pointing forward to something the judges weren't good enough the saviors were pointing forward to someone else ultimately they're pointing forward to a king because that's what the book of judges said they needed they needed a king there was no king they needed a king so they're pointing forward to these two kings we get we get king david and we get king solomon but the kings weren't good enough either all this waiting for a king, the kings weren't good enough. The kings made these huge nation-defining mistakes, and ultimately, the kings die, like the judges. And it gets exhausting, okay? All the way through the Old Testament, you're waiting for the saviour, the, the leader they need, and they just never come. All this hope, and it never gets satisfied. Until you get to the New Testament. Until you meet a man called Jesus. And as you, as you look at his life, you discover that Jesus is the fulfillment of all of it. Jesus is the one all the judges were pointing to. Jesus is the saviour that's going to last. Because what's the problem with the judges? What's the main issue with each of the judges, each of the saviours? The big recurring thing that happens over and over again, every single one of them, dies. Death is the problem. Because when they were alive, there was peace. They saved Israel. And we read that the problems only happen once they die, when they, when they go. That's when Israel struggles. That's when Israel falls into sin again. And it's the same issue with the kings. They die. And so Jesus is different. What makes Jesus the fulfillment of the judges and the kings? Well, funnily enough, it's not because he doesn't die, because he does die. But we've been looking at this, this creed, and, and, and we're getting to it now, but the bit that we've been looking at this morning is this, and it's a really important part of it. I believe in the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Jesus is different. Because although Jesus died, Jesus is alive right now. He's alive. And it changes everything. A saviour that lasts through death. I'm going to read from uh, 1 Corinthians 15, um, verses 51 to 58. And I'm hoping this is going to come up on the screen. 1 Corinthians 15. Listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed 
in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is reigning. When Jesus died, he wasn't defeated. We read that it was death that got defeated. Death was was swallowed up in victory. Jesus is the one thing that's lasted through death. And earlier we're talking about all those things that don't last, all these these mini saviors that aren't good enough, these things that we turn to and we're trying to make a fresh start with. And often, the big one is myself that I turn to. I turn and I just try and try harder. But I'm not good enough. None of these things are good enough. None of these things last. But Jesus, Jesus lasts. Jesus lasts even through death. He's the one thing that can. He's the one person that does. And this has some amazing implications for us. And obviously the big one is this. And what it means for me and you is that one day, as we said earlier in the service, there will be a new beginning like no other. Because if we are in Jesus, then with him we last through death. We have a life everlasting, our bodies resurrected. One day we'll be with him in a new creation. We'll have new bodies. We'll have new desires. And that is going to last forever. And that is something to look forward to. Isn't it? You know, the ultimate new beginning, that's our hope. Every time in this world right now where we fail and we mess up and we we long for a new start and we long to be free from sin, well, we have a hope for that. That's going to be us one day. Completely free from the power of sin. And the truth is right now is that, yes, Jesus has defeated death. He's defeated sin, but as we live in this world, it still holds power over us. One day it won't. One day we will be sinless and it'll be a fresh start and, and it'll be like a weight's been lifted. You know, all those things that you're carrying around with you right now, they will be gone one day. It is a wonderful future. A new beginning. Completely. Utterly. And it's going to last forever. And I hope it's where you'll be. But I think it is worth pointing out for us this morning that trusting in Jesus, the benefits, they're not just in the future. They're not just one day. There is hope for us today. You know, the resurrection of Jesus is something that affects us right now. Because we have this hope for the future. You know, because we have this, this resurrection. Well... 
we can live better lives today. Uh, look at this. This is how um, that passage in 1 Corinthians 15, it continues a little bit further. Um, we've got that wonderful passage about resurrection. We've got that wonderful description of eternal life. One day in the future, it's going to be ours. And then this is what follows it. Therefore, because of all that, therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, stand firm. Let nothing move you. Always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Stand firm. Right now, that, that future hope, let that affect how you live today. In fact, let Jesus change how you live today. Instead of looking to these mini saviors, these, you know, these things that don't last, instead of looking to myself, I need to look to Jesus. If I want real change to happen in my life, it can only come from trusting in him first and foremost. I think we're often under this impression that the gospel, you know, is how we become a Christian. It's the basics, isn't it? You know, the gospel is for people who aren't Christians yet, or it's for new Christians. It's, it's the thing that gives you the fresh start. It's the thing that gives you the new beginning, the new life. And then what you need after that is, is you need something else to carry you on forward, you know, to, to help you grow. You need the other bits of the Bible. That's what we seem to think. But that's not true. I mean, the gospel is the whole Bible, but, but ultimately there's, there's this amazing passage in Titus. Listen to this. And it's one that's worth ingraining on your mind. Uh, this is how it goes. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. Okay, that's the salvation. It offers, it offer, uh, that, that's the gospel that offers salvation. It saves you, doesn't it? But look at this. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. While we wait for the blessed hope that's coming, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. The good news about Jesus, Jesus' death and his resurrection, it's not just what saves us, that's what helps us grow in our faith. That's what gives us the fresh start and that's what helps us remain fresh and to stay new and to keep the slate wiped clean. It's the gospel that teaches us to say no to ungodliness. It's the gospel that teaches us sanctification. And it says in Titus that, you know, we wait for the appearing of Jesus. We wait for that future hope that we talked about. Yeah, we look forward to that. But Jesus has saved himself a people eager to do good now. You can know a new life now. You can have a new beginning. And if you're struggling, if you feel cold to the gospel, to Jesus, to church, if you feel apathetic, then ultimately we're told to go back to basics. Go back to Jesus. Read about him. Pray about him. Come to church and hear about him. Fix your eyes on him because that is the only way that we can have a new beginning that lasts. That's the only way that we can stop cycles of sin. 
He's the only way that we can experience real change in our lives. And ultimately, he's the only way that we can survive through death. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Look at the death and resurrection of him. He's alive. He's reigning in victory. And one day we will have that perfect new beginning with him. But we can experience some of that now. Don't put your trust in anything above Jesus. I'm going to pray. And then we're going to sing a song talking about the fact that Jesus is alive and Jesus is risen. And it would be my prayer, I guess, that we fix our eyes on that in our day-to-day life and all that new stuff that we're starting.